Yeah, turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Um, and as you're turning there, I was just, you know, as we were worshiping and in this last song, talked about us being orphans. And, and when Keith asked um, to us to think about our own adoption into, um, into the family of God, all of us have had the opportunity to be adopted into the family of God to become sons and daughters of God. And the only reason if you sit here this morning and you're not a child of the king, you haven't been adopted, is because you've made a choice to not be. Because you've chosen not to receive the good news of the gospel. And this morning as we read through this passage here in Romans chapter 2, we're going to be talking about people who have never had an opportunity to be adopted. People who have never heard the gospel and, and what does Paul have to say about them. And, and this is a really tough text of Scripture. To preach, to understand, to process. But uh, we're going to try our best. Romans chapter 2 beginning at verse 12. He says, All who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law, and all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law in themselves, even though they do not have the law. Since they show the requirements of the law is written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them, this will take place on the day when God judges every, judges men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. God, show us what you were wanting to communicate through Paul to the hearers, to us today. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen. So the first question that, that, that most people ask when they read this text and, and most non-Christians ask is, is this question of, what about those who have never heard the gospel? What happens with those that have never heard the gospel? How will they stand before God at the judgment? Will God grade them on a curve? Will, will God judge them in comparison to, to, to a moderate standard of morality? Will God measure them by others in the culture? If they're religious and sincere, can they, can they gain acceptance with God? If they're religious and sincere. So, What will happen with those who haven't heard? And that's what Paul's addressing here. Now remember, 
It says in, in chapter 1, verse 20, that God has revealed to every person on earth general revelation. In verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, For since the creation of the world, their invisible his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that all men are without excuse. So Paul, in chapter 1, says, As every person on earth whether they have heard the gospel or not, are directly accountable to God, being without excuse. They know that there is a God, whether or not they admit it, because creation testifies that God is powerful, that he is orderly, and that he is perfect. That's what Paul tells us in, in the first chapter. But here in chapter 2, verse 16, Paul is making a case against those who are without the law, those who haven't heard the gospel. They've never heard the truth of the gospel, and so, so what can be said about them? Now, the first thing we see in this passage in, in, in verse 12 is that he tells us that, that those without the law have sinned. Now, Paul is addressing two issues here in, 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 in verse 12. First, those who haven't heard, he says, all who sin apart from the law will perish apart from the law. Talking about those who don't believe. But then he's also, so he's talking about unbelieving Gentiles, but he's also talking about Jews who have heard but refused. Those who know the law but don't obey it. So he's addressing two things. They may be religious, but they're lost. We would say they're, they're lost church members. 2 Timothy 3 verse 5 says that they have a form of godliness, but deny its power. And Paul says, without the gospel, whether you've never heard or you've heard and denied, he says they will perish. Now that word perish is a really strong word. It, it, it means to suffer eternal punishment. So, so all who haven't heard, all who have rejected, all who don't have the gospel, Paul says they will perish and spend eternity in hell. Because they have sinned and, and will be judged according to the standard of God's word. Paul says, look, just because they, they, have, they have heard the law doesn't mean that they're right with God. You see, he said, it's only those who have heard and obey in verse 13 then who are righteous. He says in verse 13, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who are declared righteous. Only if you obey, do. First uh, James 1.22 says, it is not mere, do not merely listen to the words and so, de do, so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. So Paul says, look, hearing isn't enough. Hearing and not doing puts you in the same place, in the same position as the person who's never heard. He 
verse 13 is addressing those who have repented of their sin, who have true, genuine, saving faith in Jesus Christ as presented in the gospel. They are the doers of the law. So Paul here has addressed three types of people. He said there are those who have never heard, there are those who have heard and don't obey, and then there are those who have heard, believed, and are following the word of God. And then in verse 14, he comes back to the original intent of his message, and that is, what about those who have never heard? He says, indeed, when Gentiles who, who, have, who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law in themselves, even though they do not have the law. So even those without the law have an inner sense of right and wrong. And we've talked about that. They instinctively know the moral laws of God. They know the difference between right and wrong. They know that they should honor their parents, that they, they know that they shouldn't murder or steal. They know they should tell the truth. Because they have this law written on their hearts. Every human being has this law written on their heart. They instinctively know because God has put it there. In verse 15, he says, since they show the requirements of the law, these laws are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing now even defending them. You see, they are accountable to God for the law that is within them. They're not off the hook. They're not without accountability. Every person on earth has a conscience. A conscience that, that instinctively tells you when you've crossed the line and violated God's written law on your heart. Your conscience is kind of like your body feeling pain, okay? So several years ago, um, one, one evening after an elder meeting, I went home and I told my wife, I think I'm having a heart attack. My chest hurt and I could barely walk, and so she puts me in the car and takes me to the hospital, and, and we walk into the emergency room. And, and if you ever want to not sit in the waiting room, just tell them, I think I'm having a heart attack, because they pay attention. They took me back in a room and checked me out and did all kinds of tests and, and gave me all kinds of uh, stuff. And, and finally, the doctor came and said, we're, we're going we're gonna to fly you to Akron. So I got a helicopter ride out of the deal, but it wasn't that cool. I went up, and after more testing, they said, you have something, a condition known as pericarditis. I had been to the dentist several weeks earlier. This is the reason why you should never go to the dentist. Just kidding. And from that, I got an infection in my pericardium, which is the sac that, that holds your heart in place. And it began to swell up, and, and, and fluid began to form in that sack, and, and so they had to, to get rid of that. Now, I could have died if my body hadn't told me there was something wrong. 
It was the pain that, that said something is wrong and therefore I was able to, to get the help that I needed. Our conscience is much the same way. Our conscience makes us aware that something's going wrong. And all people have this sense of right and wrong. And he says their thoughts are accusing now, even defending them, and what I think that means is, is that there, there are thoughts both accuse and defend. In other words, thoughts accuse us of our sin, and thoughts and conscience are, he, he addresses both of them, but they also are thought, we, we, we defend ourselves. We say, I know I treated him wrong, but he had it coming. We make excuses for why we do the things that we do. Our thoughts are connected to our conscience, and our conscience is bearing witness of our thoughts, accusing them of wrongdoing. And everybody has this. It brings convictions. It brings a sense of guilt telling us that we need to get right because something's wrong. And my conscience is connected to the law of God that is written on my heart. And everybody has that. And our conscience is accusing us and accuses those even who don't believe of their sin. Therefore, they are without excuse. Paul says this is what will happen with all who don't believe, verse 16. They will be judged by God. He says this, is, this will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets, secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. So even those without the law on that last day, appear before God and will be judged. And those who have never heard, Paul says, those who are without the law will stand before God on the last day. And on that day, he will, he will be weighed, that person will be weighed against the standard of the law that is written on his heart. Now, this does not mean that they will be saved. But that they will be judged. There will be no different standard for those who have not heard. They will be judged by the gospel. On that day, it says, they will be judged according to the gospel. which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel commands that every person everywhere repent and believe in Christ, and without Christ, they will be judged. They will not be pardoned. They will not be given a second chance. It will be before Jesus Christ himself that all without the law will stand. And as you think about that, 
that is a pretty grim picture. So going back to our original questions that, that, that I asked at the beginning, those who don't believe, how do they stand before God? I think the word says they stand before God condemned. Will God grade them on a curve? I think according to our scriptures, no. Will God judge them in comparison to a moderated standard of morality? No. Will God measure them by others in the culture? No. If they're religious and sincere, can they gain acceptance with God? And the answer to that is no. So what are we to do about this? I think oftentimes our response and the world's response is, God, this isn't fair. You can't do this. God, you need to do something about their situation. We say, God, why, doesn't, why don't you do something? Well, the, the reality is God did something. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So, so God did something. He sent his son into the world to die for our sins and the sins of the whole world while we were sinners. And Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he has given us the Holy Spirit, those who believe, to take the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. did something. He sent his son. For all seven billion people on the face of the earth. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. There's that word perish again. All who believe in him will not go to eternal hell, but spend eternity with him. See, the reality is this. People are dying every day and going to hell. And when we understand that reality, that it should cause us to act it should cause us to grieve. It should cause us to want to do something. You see, the responsibility is on us. We've been given the good news to take to the world. And yet, our response is, God, you need to do something. You know, later... Next year, we'll get to Romans chapter 10, but I want to go there right now. 
See, Romans chapter 10 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But he says, how can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Now, these are all rhetorical questions that Paul is asking. The answer is obvious. They can't. No one can call on him whom they have not believed and or heard about. No one can be saved without hearing the gospel. And that's why Paul then in verse 15 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is why we must be committed to take the gospel to those who don't yet know. Because without hearing, they can't know. Without someone telling them, they can't know. This is why we must, we must go to Africa and China and India to those who don't yet know. You know, about you know, 45, year, 45 or so years ago, a young couple from, from our church with three young children, the youngest being about three years old, felt God tugging at their heart to take the gospel to a people that had never heard and so they went back to school, and lots of people thought they were crazy because you've got a family, and, and you, you're, you're, you're older. He was, I think, Roman was about 35 at the time, but you're older. But God laid, laid this passion on, on Roman and Carolyn Hostel's heart to take the gospel to the nations, to take it somewhere that it hadn't ever been before. So Roman and Carolyn packed up their three children and they took them to Papua New Guinea to, to Bougainville Island. They landed in a, on, a, on a little airstrip and, and, and put their kids on their shoulders and took them two hours back into a village to a peep, the Vosway people who didn't have a written language and hadn't heard the word of God preached to them. But God laid it on Roman and Carolyn's heart to go. That's Roman and Carolyn. Uh, the man on your right, uh, when we went over to, to uh, be a part of the, the dedication of the New Testament that took them 35 years to write, this is one of the pictures that is etched in my memory from that time. Here is an old man, probably in his 70s, who unless Roman and Carolyn, who felt convicted and had a passion for lost people, unless they go, this old man never hears the gospel and for sure never has the word of God written in his own language. 
It's because somebody was willing to go that this man heard the gospel, that he's not one of those that has never heard. He has opportunity to be adopted into God's family, to receive a heavenly father. You know, this morning as I listened to the adoption stories, Roger and Kim and Kelsey and Abby and Galen and Carlene and Jason and Jelana, I was just struck again by the fact that if if those four families, and trust me, they had to sacrifice a lot. And I remember, uh, I'll just be honest, when Roger and Kim and Galen and Carleen were talking about adopting, I thought, man, you are way too old. They probably were. But, but because they were willing to, to be obedient to what God has spoken to them, because they were willing to... To, to experience all the joys and the sorrows that come with adoption and the hard work that went into it. Johanna and Ivana and Misha and Chris had the opportunity to hear the gospel preached to them. They were introduced to Jesus Christ, whereon if, if, if Galen and Carly wouldn't have went and Roger and Kim wouldn't have went, they would have never heard the gospel. Blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. But you know, it's not just Papua New Guinea and China and India and Africa, and it's not just uh, going and adopting children from other places. It's our neighbor. It's Jack across the street who maybe has never heard the gospel. It's 40 children that come every Thursday night to our kids' club, many who have never heard the gospel. It is us being intentional and in introducing people to Jesus Christ. It is us having a passion. It is us, us not wanting to see any perish. It is us doing our part. It is us not blaming God, but saying, God, what is my responsibility? And maybe it's supporting, maybe it's giving, and, you know, maybe it's praying. Because you see, there's also the, this, uh, I believe as you look at the gospel being spread throughout the world, you know, in, in the Bible, there are, many, um, there are many encounters with God revealing himself in dreams and visions, both Old and New Testament. And probably the New Testament, the one that we, we, we're most familiar with is, is Paul be seeing a vision of Jesus Christ on his road to Damascus and, and Paul coming to Christ through that vision. Although we don't base our foundation or our theology on, 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 uh, on
on visions and dreams to do evangelism. I think they're real, and you hear stories throughout uh, all the time, especially in the Muslim world, of, of people, of, of Muslims who have had dreams of seeing Jesus and coming to faith in Christ because of this vision that they saw and somebody sharing with them. And so, so we also have this incredible responsibility to pray. You know, Todd Aarons last week uh, in the evening gave us, uh, a couple weeks ago, gave us, gave us a, a, um, an app that you can download that, that every day gives you a different uh, unreached people group. And every day you can pray for, for unreached peoples. We have a responsibility to pray because people are dying and going to hell. And so as we as I wrap this up, Romans chapter 2 verses 12 to 16 is a very, very sobering text of Scripture. But I think when we ask the question, God, what are you going to do about it? Or we say, God, this isn't fair. I think we need to, we need to stop and ask ourselves, what is my responsibility in this? Because that God has done his part. He's provided a way for every person in the world to be adopted into the family. And he's given us the opportunity to go and tell. To go and tell our neighbors. To go and adopt a child. To go and translate the New Testament. To go and tell. I mean, we've got seven young people that are going to places around the world telling people who maybe have never heard the gospel we're leaving in about a month. The question is, what am I doing about it, and do I care? That's the question we need to be asking. Let's pray. God, thanks for the good news of the gospel. Lord, it, 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 and I pray that that our hearts would break for those who haven't heard. And that, that not only would our hearts break for them, but, but, but Lord, that, that we, would, we would be convicted, we would become passionate about taking the gospel to the unreached, telling people who haven't heard, supporting people who go and tell people who haven't heard, praying for those who haven't heard. Father, put that on the front of our minds. Father, do as we sang it. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. And lost people breaks your heart. God, would you, would you begin a movement here of people who are 
going to their neighbors in need. Going to the nations to share the good news of the gospel. And that you would be glorified through it. It's in Christ's precious name that I pray.